0: Hey, party people, as you know, the Untitled Gen X podcast has a Patreon, but like, how does that work? What do I get? Blah, blah, blah. Well, Patreon is where you can get exclusive content, early access to episodes, official stickers, and a main feed shout out. Like think, I don't know, VIP treatment all for supporting the pod. With the Patreon app, it's just like listening to your favorite streaming platform while you drive, work out, do dishes, or sit in a parked car late at night waiting to pick up your kid. I know audiograms and little sneak peeks don't always give you the full picture, so I'm including a free Patreon episode here for you to try. I mean, who doesn't like free? So if you're into it, maybe consider subscribing. And if you're not, that's cool. Enjoy the episode. Either way, I hope you keep in touch, beautiful people. Bye. Hello, and welcome to a very special Patreon episode of the Untitled Gen X podcast, a podcast dedicated to the pop culture that raised us. As you all know, I'm Lori, a writer and pop culture lover who's always excited to welcome my childhood bestie and season one co-host, Kate join me in deconstructing the disappointment of how my so-called life ended. Yes, dear patrons, we're talking about the series finale, season one, episode 19, titled, In Dreams Begin Responsibilities, aka, my so-called life wasn't supposed to end this way. Welcome to the Patreon, Kate.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, Patreon.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. And, you know, as you know, the whole time you were my co-host in season one, my whole intro tagline was, I'm still not over how my so-called life ended.
1: I believe it was how my so-called life left us hanging. Oh, yes.
0: Left us hanging. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. You're so right. Thank you for that correction. Yes. I'm still not over how my so-called life left us hanging because upon the revisit, I stand by that.
1: I feel like you can kind of like... Deduce. Surmise what <laughs> happened, right? Like, we can talk about that. When we okay. Our- okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I wanted to, before
0: we recorded this episode, like go back and watch the whole series again. But it is hour long episodes. There are 19 of them. I was not able to set aside 19 hours, 19
1: hours to do this. Yeah. Among but- all of your other podcasting duties. <laughs> this is very true. I have a very exciting season three happening right now, but I kind of forgot some stuff. Like I did too. I had to go back two episodes. I had to go back to like episode 17 because I'm like, what did Ryan do? What did Jordan do? What What is this? What's this all about? Okay. Maybe I-
0: you can refresh my memory because like, I yeah. think I know,
1: but When we recap this, maybe you can shed some light. I was like, oh, right. I remember this. I have actually gone back and watched it after, you know, it was on originally. Mm -hmm. But I think think that at some point I might lose interest a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. that I'm much more familiar with the early episodes of the season than the later episodes. Okay. Do you know what
0: the turning point was in the series plot that kind of turned you off?
1: I think um, when it started to focus a little more on the parents, yeah, I kind of was like, oh, and <laughs> which is funny, because as an adult, I'm like, I appreciate that the parents are like, real people who have real lives and real pasts and real emotions. And, you know, that their lives are complicated, that their whole purpose in the show is not Oh, I'm here to be the mom of the daughter who's the star of the show. You know, right? Yes. Um, and so I do appreciate that as an adult, but also I think, uh, what's that woman's name? That's the like restaurant tour with the Graham, the dad, Hallie or Callie. I think it's Hallie. Hallie. Mm-hmm. I do not enjoy her. She bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's possible it's when she was introduced to the oh. plotline that I was like. Okay, I got to (laughs) go. I don't know.
0: Well, maybe the viewers were with you on that. They're like, ABC, we're not going to watch because we don't like this Allie character.
1: Honestly, what like in this episode that we watched, and I don't know, I feel like she is often eating in episodes because I have seem to have a memory of her eating a salad in an episode too. And like, she's eating and she's talking and she's chewing. And I'm like, uh no. Okay. No.
0: Patrons. I have to tell you, Kate has a
1: real problem with people eating. There's a name for it. Um, it's not, I don't eat whatever you want. I'm happy for you to be eating, but if you're going to eat loudly, please, please do it far, far away okay. from
0: me. In fairness, Kate and I Marco Polo. If you guys don't use that app, it's like a video messaging app. <laughs> we, we Marco Polo a lot. The few times I have taken (laughs) a
1: sip of water while poloing, because you know a girl gets parched. Oh, she makes it sound all dainty, but like (laughs) she always has like her like you know little like what are those made out of? I don't know what that material is—acrylic or whatever. I'm
0: holding it right now. Oh, you can't see
1: it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, the red tumbler Uh, with a straw, so that when she takes a sip, it's like I hear the whole thing start to finish. I hear like the. And then the like swallow, and then the water go out of the straw back (laughs) into the cup. And then, and I don't know if she knows that she does this, when she's done, she goes, (sighs) a beverage commercial. (laughs) One time she ate popcorn (laughs) while she was recording a (laughs) polo. And it was, I was like, I can't, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can listen to this whole thing. And But in fairness to me, she did go back and listen to it and said, I'm sorry, I'll never do that
0: again. (laughs) And now it makes me sound like
1: like I'm a rude eater. Like I have bad eating manners. I recognize that I'm very sensitive to it. It's a thing. And I feel like I read somewhere that like people who have that tend to be smarter. So there you go it all tracks. It all makes sense. <laughs> okay. But also I have to say this, if we're going to talk about being lost as a viewer. Okay. When my so-called life came on, mm-hmm. we were, I think just out of school. Yes. High like, school. so, It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, like for a lot of people, it would have been their first year in college, unless you were like me and you dropped out. Uh, so, um, so we were like 18. So we were Essentially, the target demographic. Maybe we were a tiny bit older. Right. But not significantly older. I did not like the show when it was on the air. I watched it. I thought it was dumb. You know what? Okay. Same. I, I
0: caught it like here and there. Of course, I was there for the Catalano of it all. Right. But way more so than for Angela Chase. I didn't even feel like I related to Angela, which is interesting. But I think she way
1: more closely resembled you at that age than me. So this is what's hilarious about it to me is that I also was like, "I don't relate to this show." Whatever, guys, I was Angela Chase. (laughs) I was Angela Chase. I mean, I thought so too. Yeah. Um, And so, so this is my theory: is that it's a great show and it's written very intelligently and it's but it's written by adults. Yes. Considering that time of life mm-hmm. and like it's sort of their commentary on that time of life. And as an adult now looking back, yes, it's amazing. It's a wonderful commentary. It's so great. I was too close to it then and I couldn't appreciate it for what it was. I was just like, this is dumb. Nobody does that. I literally like I had my own Ryan Ra- Ra- graph. I yes, had my did. own Sharon who might be on this podcast with me right now. <laughs> uh, know how to feel about that, but okay, continue. Um, there were t- no, but there were times like where you and I were not as close in high school because yes. I was with my other friends, your Rayanne, right? And so it's just it's just so funny because like I had no appreciation for that as a young adult, right? And then, like, going back later to watch it, I must have seen a rerun of it somewhere. And then I was like, oh, I was Angela Chase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I do agree with you, though. Like, the writing is spectacular
0: from an adult point of view. Right. But from a young adult, it was just a little too deep. I know young people journal, and I know there are smart young people with wicked vocabularies and all of this. But, like, I feel like when you go back and look at old journaling, even from smart kids, I think it's stuff that sounds really good and flowery and poetic and expensive. But I don't know that there's a lot of actual understanding in it. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah, I don't I know. know. That like time- I think you can write things that sound really smart and deep. But like when you actually try to analyze the words that were written, you're sort of like. Mm, there's not a whole lot of deep understanding.
1: Right. I think the like reflection is not there yet. Right. Cause your brain's just not at yes. that point mm-hmm. um, because I for sure had some deep conversations with some of my friends and had some like very like heartfelt, you know, journal entries and things like that. But what you don't have is the distance from them, to right. reflect on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to say, oh, this is what was really going on in my life, right? And so that's why I couldn't appreciate it because I was going through many of the things that Angela was, but I didn't have the distance to know that. I just was like, oh, eh, whatever. This is dumb. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like people have good reasons if like they have new friends or whatever, So, yeah, so, like, the the nuances of the show were just completely lost on me. Yes, I agree. And it seemed as though
0: they were writing Angela as though she had some perspective and wisdom that she was just
1: far too young to have. And so I think that was a little bit of a disconnect for me. Yeah, and and so I think that's why she's enjoyable to watch. Now. Through the (laughs) lens of an adult, but through the lens of a young adult, no, it just, it felt weird, like... I can't. I can't really relate to like what she, how she's pulling all of this together. Um, I kind of wish that I had because like I might have learned something. <laughs> <laughs> might have helped you. Yeah. It's like I love this show now. It pains me that this show is, except for the whole Hallie character. Uh, <laughs> it pains me that this show didn't go on longer because it really it was a great show. But I, and I also just think it was maybe not quite right for its time. I agree. That was in my notes. I think that it was a little ahead of
0: its time.
1: Like Ricky's character? Oh, what a, I love Ricky's character. Did you
0: know he's the first openly gay teen on
1: network TV? That character. No. But yes. that, I mean cuz I was like what a bold character for that time, right? Yep. And I mean it's Wilson Cruz, right? That's the actor. huh I mean, what an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it was just a little ahead of its time and a little ahead of its demographic. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. So this episode aired on January
0: 26th, 1995. Mm -hmm. It was an ABC show and the ratings were never really what they were hoping for because it was in the coveted, highly competitive Thursday night at 8 PM time slot. Of course, this is an hour long show. So it aired against Mad About You and Friends on NBC, so it didn't have a chance in hell. And Martin and Living Single on Fox. Oh. So
1: how could it possibly compete all four of those shows were smash hits, right? I feel like somebody at ABC was like, "Let's put it here so the people who like don't want to watch those shows have something to watch," but it just didn't go.
0: Yeah, because planned. I mean, all four of those shows are comedies. And this mm-hmm. was, you know, a family drama. Okay. Should we get into the plot? Yes. Let's get into the, plot. let's get into the beginning of the end. Angela wakes up from this reoccurring dream. She keeps having about Jordan and we get to see it. She's at school and she's trying to catch up with him. Their eyes meet. She wants to go to him, but her doc Martins are stuck on the floor and she can't budge.
1: Right. There's like sticky stuff on the floor. Like if there was like honey on the floor and you couldn't walk through it. She says sometimes in
0: her dream, her dad is there with Jordan and they're moving in unison. And sometimes her dream includes her great aunt Gertrude's funeral and her parents are there. And near the end of her dream, she's finally able to catch up to Jordan where she tells him how he hurt her and how betrayed she feels and how she can never forgive him. And he doesn't seem to really care.
1: Right. How do you interpret this dream? Okay. I have a lot of thoughts about this dream. First of all, when she first sees Jordan in the dream, he's like doing the slouch lean against the um, lockers. Classic. Eye drops into his eyes, you know, because he's out partying and his eyes are all red. It's like classic Jordan. First of all, there's so much flannel.
0: Oh my God, I have that note, Kate. Flannel everywhere. So much flannel in this whole series. (laughs) Which in
1: case you are not Gen X and you go back and you watch that, that's what life was like. Yeah, there was so much flannel. It was great. It was flannels and scrunchies. Yes. So I think that her dad being there, Mm -hmm. walking with him sort of represents like the sort of importance of a male figure in her life. But also the divide between her dad and Jordan, right? Like, they're not the same. And, like, here they are compared right in front of her. Um, And then the funeral representing that there's this death happening, right? There's this divide happening between her and her family um, in terms of her kind of making her own decisions and in fact you actually see her mom and her dad like at the sort of door to the of course and of course this door is like a door in the school hallway but it's like leading into a chapel or a yes. church for the funeral uh, and the mom is like, come on, come join us, come join us and she just kind of looks at them and then the mom sort of like, okay Okay. so like I feel like that just speaks volumes right about like oh like you guys are going that way towards like something to do with you know like death and and sort of finality and I'm going this way and then that she goes to Jordan and she is she's yelling at him like he's just standing there and she's just yelling like he's sort of facing the camera and she's facing sideways towards him Uh um, just yelling and yelling and yelling. And oh, I didn't write down the line, but she says something like, and he's just standing there like somebody in the rain who doesn't care anymore if they get wet. Right. So he's just like, I'm, I'm pretty indifferent to your rage. (laughs) And then she wakes up. This is something that she dreams about regularly. So that ought to tell you something. Do you have any recurring dreams? um so i don't have them as much anymore but when i was angela chase's age Mm -hmm. um i had a really horrible recurring dream and um so it was the same theme but it was always different places and the theme horrifically was i'm in a space and water's rising and i can't get out so like one time it was like my foot got caught, like I was at the ocean and my foot got caught in some rocks and I couldn't get them out and the tide is coming in. Oh, that's
0: terrifying.
1: Or like I'm in a room I can't get out of and water is pouring into the room. Or like one time, again, I was at the ocean and there was a tidal wave coming, but there was a chain link fence all along the like beach so that I couldn't run to safety so that that was a – and and, I mean, I was just completely – like, I was overwhelmed by my life right. at that time. And that was, like, the perfect sort of, you know, metaphor for it. So that was one. And then the other one that I have – again, I don't have the – it's not the same exact circumstances. But, like, when I'm really stressed about something, I will have a dream where – my vision is crystal clear for absolutely everything except the thing I need to do. So, like for a brief part of my life, I was a mail carrier. Um, and it was brief because it was, it was very So stressful. brief. <laughs> so brief. That was the job that I quit and I said, uh, I'm not coming in today or ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Which was very fun to say. Uh, but like, so I would have dreams that like, I could see everything. And then when I would look down at the mail for the address, like it was all blurry. Or when I was a waitress that like, when I'd look down at my order pad, the order pad was blurry. I couldn't read the order. Oh, or God. if I'm taking a test, right, I look down at the test, <gasps> and I can't see. So those that are is my so anxiety inducing. I just want to cry right now. Wake up from those dreams and you're exhausted. Yes. <laughs>
0: I have a recurring dream where I'm being chased and, you know, the setting is always different, but I'm being chased and I'm trying to scream. I'm opening my mouth. I'm pushing out like any sound and I can't do it. And, um, I'm like, uh, 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 and I've had my husband wake me up and be like, are you okay? I'm like, he, cause he thinks I'm like choking. Right. Right. Like yeah. in my sleep. Yeah. yeah, and it's always in times
1: of like high stress. Yeah. yeah, stress, stress and dreams. Stress is a killer. Anyway, when she gets up from the dream, she says an interesting thing. And she and this is like the, you know, narrator overlay of her, not her saying it in real life. Um, hatred can become like food. It gives you this energy. You can like live off of it. Yeah, it's also true. Would not have appreciated that as a young adult. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> very true. Okay, so in terms of casting, of
0: course, Angela Chase is played by Claire Danes. But what you might not know is that a then-unknown 16-year-old Alicia Silverstone was considered for the role. However, the network thought she was, quote, too pretty to play an awkward teen. And when they shot the pilot, Claire Danes had just turned 14 years old and Jared Leto was 22 yikes big age
1: difference it's so weird that there aren't rules about that (laughs) right like i mean yeah yeah and like also it'd be so interesting to know like what that experience was like for him because when you're 22 you are in such a different place oh my god People who were even like 18 or, you know, Uh so Uh like for him to be, I mean, I don't know how old the rest of the cast was, but it seemed like most of them were playing pretty close to their true age. Right. Yeah. He was born in 71. Who did they consider anyone else for his role? Okay. So
0: I was just going to tell you. So Jordan Catalano, the character was only supposed to appear in the pilot episode, but the series creator, Winnie Holzman said. As soon as we got Jared on film, we knew he had to be a continuing character, but apparently he wasn't like so sure about taking the role because he was just sort of dabbling in acting and he was thinking about going to art school instead. Holzman said, I remember not being positive that he wanted to do it. And I was a little worried because he didn't want the part that much. He seemed to have ambivalent feelings.
1: So he was like Jordan. Jordan. He was right, like no, from the start literally. Jared and
0: Jordan. Same guy. This like yeah. apathetic, like. <laughs> sort of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to do it, but yeah. So I don't actually know who else was considered for the role. All I do know is he wasn't supposed to have such a major role.
1: And that's so weird because what would the show have been?
0: I know. And I was thinking, would it be? Would it have been more about her experiences with her friends who were considered sort of like the social misfits or the outcasts and then just the divide between her and her family without this series-long, season-long love interest?
1: Right. Or would there have been some like other mm-hmm. thing or, or was it more between her Brian? and Brian? Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly
0: let's see here downstairs, the family's in the kitchen and her dad tells her mom that the restaurant investors are getting nervous. And I'm like, they're starting a restaurant. What? I didn't even remember that.
1: Oh, I remember that because the dad loves to cook, right? Yeah, like He used to work for the the father-in-law, right? Like the mom's dad had a printing business that she was part of. And I think they it, they worked in it as a family business, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, I don't even recall. And then it got really stressful. And he was like, I just want to cook. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I just don't want to cook. And right. in the
0: morning, it's so, I love how all these, like, family-based TV shows, they all have the family in the kitchen at the same time in the morning. And I can't tell you how much anxiety that gives me. I have a small kitchen. When my family is like rushing around in the kitchen, I am pissed off.
1: Can we talk about small kitchens?
0: (laughs) Kate's going through a kitchen reno right now. (laughs) Your kitchen is like huge compared to my kitchen. (laughs) And you know, compared to many kitchens, my kitchen is actually very small. So yours must be very, very small because I do not have a large
1: kitchen. They're redoing. They're doing the floor in the kitchen, the dining area that's right next to the kitchen and the laundry room, which is a fairly large laundry room. Entire square footage for the flooring is 277 square feet. Oh, wow. So that that just gives you a sense of how small my kitchen is.
0: Yeah. So they're all you know rushing around trying to get ready to do their things for the day. And mom, Patty says that she dreamed about Tony Poole. And I wrote, yes. who's Tony Poole? But we find out later. Yeah. At school, Delia tells Sharon that she had a dream about Ricky where they're dancing in a vegetable garden. And I was like, that is so weird and
1: so sweet. <laughs> and also so indicative of how dreams are just so right. strange and <laughs> random. You're
0: like, I don't know why we were doing this thing. And I don't know why we were here, but we were. So so she asks Sharon how much she knows about him, figuring she knows a lot because they're both friends with Rayanne. But Sharon denies she and Rayanne are friends because she has
1: loyalty to Angela. Right. Because as you may recall, or if you are not familiar with the show, so Sharon and Angela were best friends until... Ryan came along and Sharon's mom and Angela's mom are best friends.
0: Oh, I didn't even remember that. Okay.
1: Yeah. So the woman who's over there, like during this episode, like helping with the clothing drive and all that oh, stuff, that's okay. Sharon's mom. Okay. So like, that's how they became best friends, right? Their moms were best friends and they were best best friends. Um, so um, it was very hard on Sharon when Rayanne came along and Angela just kind of was like, later bye, you know, so- After feeling high and dry. Yeah. Right. And so she has loyalty to Angela
0: because of what Rayanne did. Do you want to explain? Because I
1: guess you watched the episode Betrayal. I did. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So I still don't know why Angela and Jordan broke up, but they did. And Angela was like, it's fine. I'm over him. I'm over him. Like, you know, then Rayanne – invites Angela to go out one night and she's like, no, I'm not going to go out. And so Rayanne goes out. Jordan, of course, is out. And also Brian, who is trying to make a video for the yearbook, is out with his camcorder recording people where they hang out. How very real world. Right. Rayanne gets drunk. Jordan's drunk. Uh, they're kind of talking to each other. They hook up in the backseat of Jordan's car and Brian has it on video. You know, Brian. Brian. Poor little Brian. Uh, so he tells Sharon and then Sharon tells Delia at, in the girls bathroom. They're talking about it. And Angela is in one of the stalls. So that's how Angela finds out. Oh so it's not even like Sharon like ran to Angela to be like, Oh my gosh, this happened. You right. know. So then of course, like now Angela is not friends with Rayanne or with Jordan. And so in an interesting arc in Rayanne's story is that Rayanne's like, you didn't lose Anything like you lost a friend who wasn't very good to you and a guy you weren't into anymore. Like I lost everything. Like I lost my friend that, you know, meant so much to me because like Angela really was. And Ricky also kind of takes Angela's side, understandably, Uh Uh, you know? And so, so Rayanne is. I, okay. I do not side with
0: Rayanne on this. Okay. She was drunk, but she made a really, really hurtful choice.
1: Oh, I don't side with her. At all. Like, she lost
0: everything. Like, well, maybe you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Like, there are consequences to your actions.
1: But it is an interesting arc for her character that you realize. Like, Angela has a lot of people. Angela has a lot of support in her life. She does. And Rayanne doesn't. And to prove my point, even Patty, Rayanne actually, like, goes to Angela's house. And Angela's not home. And so she talks to her mom. And even the mom is kind of like, oh, like, yeah, you did a terrible thing. But, like... Oh, you poor kid, you know, (laughs) you don't have anybody. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So Angela's dad, Graham and Hallie, Hallie, (laughs) Hallie, who likes
1: to eat with her mouthful. I mean, talk with her mouthful.
0: So they're in the future restaurant space and they're talking about how the investors are getting nervous because Graham has never been a professional chef. This is when Patty arrives and Graham steps out and the ladies decide you know what? Graham needs to cook for these guys. They need to taste his cooking. If they taste his cooking, they'll be believers. So this is when Patty tells Hallie that her high school boyfriend was in the restaurant business for years. And, you know, they should probably talk to him for some advice and perspective.
1: And her high school boyfriend, Tony Poole.
0: Tony Poole. She had a dream about (laughs) the infamous Tony Poole. Graham comes back in with the bright idea that he should cook For the investors, because tasting is believing, my cooking speaks for itself. And the ladies just sort of pandered to his little male ego and let him think he came up with the idea. Like, oh, great idea, Graham. You're so brilliant and smart. Okay. (laughs) So in English class, Jordan is staring at Angela and he tries to talk with her after class is over. And he tells her, like, you know, I'm still doing the tutoring with Brian, who he calls Brain brain, right?
1: Because he is dyslexic, I believe. So
0: He says that Brian diagnosed him as a, quote, rudimentary reader with low literacy skills. And um, Brian came up with that from a manual. So Brian's parents are psychiatrists, psychologists? Psychiatrists. Okay. She's just not really talking to him. And Brian asks Sharon about Delia, but Sharon says she's interested in Ricky now because Brian didn't treat her right. So what happened with Brian
1: and Delia? Because I don't remember. I don't remember either. But what I assume is that Brian is so into Angela that he just, like, blows Delia off. Okay. And what's really interesting here is that even though they are worlds apart in terms of, like, status and life experience and whatever, in a sense, Brian and Jordan are both kind of jerky guys. They're kind of selfish and self-centered. And, like, I used to think, oh, like, Brian's, like, the good, good guy, neighbor kid. And, like, shouldn't she end up, like, he would be, like, the smart choice and Jordan would be the choice I would make. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but looking back, I'm like, no, you know what? Brian's kind of an asshole, too. He's just, like, doesn't have the same kind of, like, cool stuff that Jordan does. Well, okay. I will say this as the mother of two teenage sons,
0: even the best teenage boys with the best hearts
1: are still teenage boys.
0: They're still teenage boys. They just don't get it. And there's varying degrees of it, right? But they all don't get it. Right. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Jordan then tells Angela, that he's changing his band name and all this. And she's like, why are you telling me all of this? And he's like, well, you're the one who signed me up for tutoring. And he, then he feels embarrassed and he walks off.
1: Yeah. And can we all just agree that the new band name residue (laughs) is so much better than frozen embryos.
0: Frozen (laughs) embryos was always a bad band name. It's
1: so terrible. (laughs) Residue. Sure. Fine. Whatever. I was like, Ooh, that's better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. We then see Jordan being tutored by Brian. He's having trouble focusing because of his conversation with Angela. It didn't go so well. And so he tells right. Brian that he's pretty sure Angela hates him and that he deserves it. And he says he tried to apologize to her or whatever, <laughs> but he couldn't figure out what to say. So Brian's like, look, you just need to say you're sorry. And Jordan's like, it's it's more than that. I can't, I, I don't have the words. And Brian says he finds it ironic that Jordan, who has the guts to approach any girl for her phone number, is scared to talk to Angela. And Jordan's like, what's ironic?
1: (laughs) This is a tie to reality (laughs) bites. Okay, and this moment is my favorite. Because I'm like, this is so interesting. Because, like, yes, I would have absolutely gone for Jordan Catalano. And yes, I would have absolutely gone for Troy Dyer. Right. And yet... One has no idea what irony is, and the other one is able to provide a definition <laughs> like no problem. <laughs> the most succinct, perfect definition. Yes. Right. Which means that in the end, Troy Dyer wins. <laughs> Still. Smell Jordan with those blue eyes. Damn. Like, I mean, how could you not fall in love with Jordan Catalano as a teenage girl? Like, girls loved him,
0: guys loved him. Everybody loves him. He's just got the thing. He's, yeah. it's, he's got that it factor. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan asks Brian to help him figure out something good to say to Angela to apologize. And Brian's like, I'm not going to do that. You created your own prison and now you have to live with it. And he doesn't want to be involved in whatever he says or doesn't say to Angela. Meanwhile, Jordan thinks all of this is just brilliant, right? Like, yes, yes, yes. And so they both agree to work independently for the rest of their tutoring session. But Brian can't help asking Jordan, like, what did you decide on so far? What are you going to say to her? Because Jordan's trying to, like, write notes so he knows what to say.
1: (laughs) Right. But, like, using all of Brian's words. Right.
0: So he doesn't want to be involved, but yet he wants to be involved.
1: He can't help himself.
0: (laughs) So... Rayanne with her crazy braids and her colored hair and her funky style. She's talking to Ricky when Brian approaches. Ricky tells him that he signed him up to sell tickets to the play. And Brian's like, I can't do it. I'm so busy. I have no free time. And Delia arrives and she's crushing hard on Ricky. And she asks to get involved with the play. And once she leaves, Brian tells Ricky that Sharon told him that Delia, quote,
1: has it for him. And Ricky feels flattered. Right. Like, he's kind of like, she does? She does? Although it is funny because Brian's like, yeah, like Delia has it for you. And Ricky's like, has it? And he's like, yeah, has it. People say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing that people say.
0: (laughs) Ricky's like, well, yeah, it
1: is. (laughs) Okay.
0: So Angela's mom, Patty, tracks down her former high school boyfriend, Tony Poole, and um, she calls him. And Angela and her little sister are listening in as Patty's like flirting and laughing and giggling. Like she's a little schoolgirl on the phone with him. And Patty and Tony Poole make a plan to meet up on Friday night to talk about the restaurant business. Right. So the girls are asking their mom a lot of questions about Tony. And Patty's like, look, here's an old picture of us. I haven't seen him since high school, but I did dream about him last night. And, and then we see her dream. We see Mom Patty's dream. Right. Here she is this young woman in a white nightgown outside and she's got long hair and she's taking out the garbage and Princess Diana is there. Oh right. <laughs> And she's crying, and she's saying, "Princesses just
1: don't get divorced." Right, because at this time in history, Princess Diana is still alive. Her and Charles are going through a divorce, so it, it's it's not it's yes. it was strange to look back on and be like, "Oh, right, yes. right."
0: And for the listener, there was a time that I. made up to look like princess diana for a photo shoot for women's history month that's true yes i had the full glam done there was a whole video and profile done and yeah they did me up exactly like princess di had the feathered hair i was wearing the signature white suit with that has like the embroidered pearls all over it maybe i'll share a picture on on instagram yeah. So just then Tony arrives on a motorcycle, like a cool, you know, high school badass, a Jordan Catalano
1: type, if right. you will. Oh, but he doesn't arrive on a motorcycle. The motorcycle just appears by the right. front porch <laughs> okay. and then he appears Fair. next to it <laughs> because it is a dream.
0: <laughs> she sits on his lap and they make out.
1: <laughs> but she doesn't share that part with the kids. She's just like,
0: and that was all there was. <laughs> That's all. And, and then he was there. The end. Yeah. So Danielle asks her mom, do you love Tony more than dad? And Angela's like, that's ridiculous. Someone can dream about a person she used to have feelings for, but it doesn't mean she has feelings anymore. It doesn't mean anything. And really, she's just
1: trying to convince herself. Right. And what she I I wrote this quote down. She says a person can have feelings for someone, even if they're not the person. And that's true. It is true. That's why I wrote it down. Cause yeah. I was like, it is true. Like sometimes you do have feelings for somebody, even though like, like I still have feelings for some of my exes and I would thoroughly enjoy visiting with them and seeing them. And I probably would be giggly and silly, but like, that doesn't mean that I want to spend the rest of my life with them. Exactly. She says, it's always tempting to lose yourself in someone who has lost themselves, but eventually you want reality. Cause the mom tells the girls, look, I chose your father to spend my
0: life with. And Angela does ask, did you love Tony? And she says, I'm not sure. You know, we had a lot of wild times together. Right.
1: I mean, that sort of ex- sums up her relationship with Jordan and with Rayanne, right?
0: True. Yes. That's a great connection. hmm
1: Yeah. And especially, like, if you, like, juxtapose, like, Rayanne and Sharon, right? Like Oh,
0: night and day. Reality versus fantasy. Mm-hmm. So later that night, Patty tells Graham that she invited Tony over to talk about the restaurant business. And Graham's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm fine with it. But like, I won't be here because I have to cook for the investors. He doesn't feel any kind of way. I
1: actually I had a boyfriend who frequently would like meet his ex-girlfriend for coffee. Like it was very normal. And uh-huh. they had been they had been broken up and doing that. Like when I met him and I was like, and I'm not particularly lovely. Yeah. And I was like, sure. Great. Like I did ask that he just let me know because like one time he like just like dropped it into a conversation. I was like, oh, I, I didn't know you guys were me. Like it just you know, I was like, if you could just tell me like that's all I care about. Um, and then I had an ex-boyfriend coming through town and I wanted to have dinner with him. And he like flipped out. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> like, this doesn't go one way and not the other. <laughs> I wholeheartedly so, agree with you. Yeah. Like, and I was not flattered. I was just annoyed. Um, it has to go both ways.
0: Right. And I agree with you. Like, as long as you're transparent about it, then I don't feel like I have anything to worry about. But when you don't tell me, it makes it seem. Like it's something that it isn't. And then I start to wonder, should I be worried about this?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like if you're upfront about it, then like fine, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So at school, Sharon tells Angela
0: that Delia has a crush on Ricky and she asks her if he likes girls and Angela's surprised because she thought Delia liked Brian
1: Okay. Right. And by the way, this is what I have written in my notes. Delia is like the most adorable thing.
0: Oh my God. I have it in my notes too. <laughs> Justice for Delia because she is just so sweet and bubbly and pure and wonderful. You deserve so much better. Yeah. It's good
1: that she's done with Brian. Her and, imp- oh, no. Sharon can't keep a secret for shit. No, she really can't. She can't. No. No, she, like, spreads everybody's news all around. I know. Because she told Brian, and then Brian told Jordan. She's always blabbing her mouth. Yeah. Come on, people. Discretion is the better part of valor. (laughs) Oh, middle school, high school, those are tough times. Like, if you pick the wrong person. And let me tell you, the person you should pick to share your secret with is Lori. Because (laughs) she is, like, a vault, man. She just, like, well, keep that secret. I'm a really
0: good secret keeper, but I've told you before, it is in large part because I have a terrible memory.
1: (laughs) I never worry with you that like, I need to be like, oh, don't tell anybody this, right? Versus there are some people in my life who I love and who are wonderful people. But even if I'm just having like, what to me, like, I'm not really telling a secret. I'm just having like a random conversation. Yeah. But I'm like, also... You don't need to share that super random detail I just shared with you with like five different people, right? Because they do like they don't mean any harm by it. They're not. It's just like uh, like I don't think to say don't say anything because it's not that relevant, and then like it comes up somewhere. So yep. Yeah, yep. it's true. So that's like Sharon. I feel like yeah, Sharon's, Sharon's that is just blabbing her mouth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Angela and Rayanne see each other and like pretend not to notice each other, so it's just awkward. Right.
1: We used to be friends and now we have to see each other
0: and like. People have written books about this. Breakups of friendships, particularly best friendships, they are so much harder to get over. Oh, yeah. It is the ultimate emotional death for yeah. a female to lose like a really important and valuable friendship. It's it's a pain
1: that you never get over. Oh, yeah. Like. And I'm just remembering that there was a time in high school, and I don't know, like, so many arguments in high school, right? Like, I have no idea what, like, what the situation was. But we were working on a play, and I think we were all on stagecraft. And, like, I feel like you and our other friend were not talking to me. And I don't 100% know why. Although I do think it had to do with like my Rayanne. And I remember like it being really weird, like, cause we would go on Saturdays to work on the stage. And I remember like it just being really awkward. I have zero recollection of this.
0: So I would love to tell you that didn't happen, <laughs> but I also know that I'm not really the kind of person To freeze someone out. It's just
1: not really my way. It wasn't like you wouldn't say it. There was just a lot of distance and coldness between the two groups. Sorry. No, it's okay. I probably did something. Like, I mean, like, Sharon had every right to be upset with Angela in certain times. And like, and I have no memory of what it was. I wonder if our other friend would know. We should check with her.
0: Uh, <laughs> her memory's gone bad
1: too, so I don't yeah. know. She's I mean, my the only go-to. One. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can I just remember like being like, and like taking a deep breath before oh, I had to go no. in. But like, I don't think you were unjustified in. Being upset with me like I think that Hmm. like it was it was just one of those things where like friendships sort of like ebb and flow sometimes and it was but it was awkward so you know wow. well look we made it through
0: here we are on patreon you guys (laughs) (laughs) okay so. Jordan's still trying to figure out what to say to Angela, but he wants to include something Brian had previously mentioned that he heard from his parents. Something about an unconscious, an unconscious. And he's like, wish? Yes, Jordan may have had an unconscious wish to punish
1: Angela. Punish her for what? I think perhaps punish her for like making him feel something. Right, Like, it's kind of like I was doing my own thing and I didn't really care about anything and I was fine with it. And then you come along and you're all like all these feelings and all this stuff. How dare you? And he likes her. Like, I think Jordan likes Angela, like, in spite of himself. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't want to like her and he does and he cares about her. And like, that feels icky for him. Um, So hence that like unconscious wish to sort of blame her for that, as men often like to blame women for their emotions, just saying, Um, (laughs) not all men. (laughs) Hashtag not all men. But I also have this question. What does Jordan really want? Does Jordan really want Angela back? Or does Jordan not want to feel like an asshole? Or does he just want to win the situation? I think that he doesn't like that he is like feeling like the bad guy. So I think ultimately he's just trying to make himself feel better. I would like to give Jordan more credit than that. I think Jordan is a teenage boy and doesn't know what the hell he wants. I'm just going to say that I've dated a lot of Jordans and I think you're giving him too much credit. (laughs) Okay.
0: In my opinion, I think he doesn't know what he wants, but I do know that there's a part of Angela that feels really safe And it's a stability that he's craving in his life, but yet he doesn't know what to do with it. So he keeps messing it up. I think he does genuinely care for her, but he doesn't know how to process that or reckon with that emotion. Right. Which is
1: why I'm saying, Angela, run. Go now. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot he needs to work through. And I don't actually remember his backstory. His dad, I think, is a drunk and possibly abusive. abusive. I can't remember. Okay. But that's the problem is like every Jordan Catalano that I've dated, that's exactly it. They're like, they have like like this damage in them. And like like what is that a Kelly Clarkson song about the beautiful disaster? Uh-huh. They're they're not bad people and they're not unkind, but like they're so sort of lost in their own hurt that like it's it's very difficult to be with them. If not impossible. Right. Yeah. Jordan
0: approaches Angela and Brian is eavesdropping, you know, the whole while. And Jordan tells her that he did an undefendable thing. That was the word right. he is. And created his own prison. And now he has to exist in it. And maybe he had an unconscious wish to punish her. And she's so taken by his words. And she's like, oh my God, what you just said is really amazing. Like, okay, now we can have a serious talk.
1: Jordan's like, and Jordan's like, we did just have a serious
0: talk. We just did. <laughs> Angela's like, you can't hit someone with something that profound and expect that to be the end of the conversation. And then he's like, uh, uh, uh I got to go. I'm going to be late. And he rushes off to go to class because, you know, Jordan cares about being on time to
1: class. <laughs> If there's one thing we know that Jordan Catalano cares about, it's, it's being punctuality. Probably on time for <laughs> attendance. <laughs> doesn't want that attendance
0: notice. Yes. <laughs> so so at tutoring, Jordan tells Brian that he was close, but he needs to say more to Angela. And she just seems so starved. And and so he wants help and he wants to write everything down so he doesn't screw up the next time they talk. Brian's like, look, why don't you write her a letter? And Jordan's like, that's a great idea. And Brian's like, I'm not doing this for you. Meanwhile, Angela's telling Ricky that Jordan's speech was, quote, like a dream. You wouldn't believe the beautiful and insightful words that came out of his mouth.
1: Right. Like, literally, you wouldn't believe that those words (laughs) came out of Jordan's (laughs) mouth. So, like, that's where you're like, oh, Angela. Oh, bless your heart.
0: you're so young. (laughs) You're
1: so young and dumb. You're so blinded by love.
0: (laughs) So Rayanne interrupts and she asks for a play poster because Amber, her mom, who she calls Amber, is excited that she's in the show.
1: Also, this happens in the episode I think 17 that I watched. Rayanne auditions for Our Town and mm-hmm. she gets the part of Emily. She gets the lead. And she gets it by pretending to be Angela. <laughs> Which is great, but also it sort of like crossover because essentially, like, what's the story of Emily in Our Town? It's that she had all of these wonderful things and she didn't appreciate them while she had them. She doesn't appreciate them until she's looking back on them without them because she's dead. Sorry, that's not a giveaway if you've never seen Our Town. Spoiler alert. Um, She's dead from the very beginning. Okay, but even still, Our Town came out when? (laughs) Spoiler alert for Our Town. Um, Thornton Wilder? Yeah. (laughs) So it just, it kind of goes along with Rayanne's journey of like, she didn't really appreciate Angela until she lost her. Right. So. And also, Our Town is a play from
0: 1938.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not going to take responsibility if you don't know how Our Town ends. (laughs) A gold star for Thornton Wilder. Yeah, I think they say it. I don't, I don't know that I would have pulled that out on my own. But.
0: <laughs> so Angela leaves because Rayanne is there, and she's Ray-Ann. like, I.
1: Okay. and then
0: Rayanne is hurt that Angela left, right. so she leaves. They start talking about Angela and Jordan. Brian admits that Jordan used his words, and Ricky accuses Brian of expressing his true feelings to Angela through Jordan, and Brian hadn't thought of that before.
1: Right, Ricky's like, uh, you're using Jordan. And he's like, no, Jordan's using me. And he's like, yeah, but you're using him too to like express what you want to say to Angela. Yeah.
0: Ricky really is the insightful one here. He sees (sighs) it all.
1: He is the Greek chorus. Ricky is just, uh, I love Ricky I know, God bless. He's the best. Ricky is the friend that everyone needs in high school and like really throughout their whole life.
0: And now, yes, exactly. I could use a Ricky in my
1: life. Yeah.
0: Delia comes by, they have an exchange. She leaves. Brian tells Ricky that she really likes him. And Ricky says, look, I wish I liked your back. Because if I did, life would be so
1: much easier. And he's not wrong. At some part, he says, this could be my chance to be straight. Yeah. Oh, that just, it hurt me so much to hear that part. These were not conversations happening on primetime TV in 1995. You know, Mm -hmm. so it was pretty amazing. And the eight o'clock hour, right? Because sometimes oh, yeah, it was very progressive for network television. Yeah. Good. Good for you people. Graham
0: and Hallie finalized the menu for the investor's meal. He mentions Patty's meeting with Tony and he's like, ah, eh. you know, she's like, well, aren't you kind of worried? Like, you know, what if there's some flirting? And he's like, ah, pff, whatever. Like, even if there's flirting, it's fine. And Hallie and Graham both agree that people can innocently flirt and
1: it's it's fine right and do, do you know also to b- bring in another television show the reason why I think Graham is not worried I think if you follow the uh, how I met your mother every relationship has a reacher and a settler I think Graham was the settler and so I think Graham's not that worried <laughs> interesting yeah yeah okay so
0: howie says though Graham, you need to act jealous to be considerate.
1: I wrote, mm, okay. <laughs> and he does. He follows her advice and it works. Patty is very flattered. Okay, fine. So Brian's at school. He's hanging out
0: late. He's writing down some thoughts on the back of an art Town poster. Why is Brian at school so late? Because <laughs> <laughs> Brian doesn't have a life. So he gives the notes to Jordan, who promptly copies his notes in his own writing in a letter to Angela. And we hear Brian's voiceover read the letter because, of course, these were Brian's words. Right. Are you ready? I have the letter. I'm ready. Dear Angela, I know in the past I've caused you pain and I'm sorry. And I'll always be sorry till the day I die. And I hate this pen I'm holding because I should be holding you. And I hate this paper under my hand because it isn't you. I even hate this letter because it's not the whole truth. Because the whole truth is so much more than a letter can even say. If you want to hate me, go ahead. If you want to burn this letter, do it. You could burn the whole world down. You could tell me to go to hell. I'd go if you wanted me to. And I'd send you a letter from there. Sincerely, Jordan
1: Catalano. Full name, Jordan Catalano. Whatever writer wrote this letter as a full-grown adult and was able to capture the, like, drama (laughs) of high school. Like, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And yet, had someone written me that letter in high school, I would have been like, oh, my God. Kate, if someone had written (laughs) me that letter now, I'd melt into a puddle. Oh, really? If somebody wrote me that letter now, I'd be like, red flag, red flag.
0: Like, yes, I'm all in. But especially in high school.
1: Oh, yeah. I would have been like, and and, like the bow on the end of like, and I'd write you a letter from there. But yeah, now if somebody wrote me that letter, I'd be like, oh, goodbye. (laughs) Like, if you actually received this letter
0: from someone that you had really strong feelings for, even though the relationship was all super red flaggy all along and it was tumultuous and it was, it was do you know what love bombing is?
1: Are you? Oh, I with do. This term? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it just reeks of love bombing to me. And, okay. And so it just, it just now, as like knowing what I know now, and like it, it would just be a huge red flag to me. Like, it's so cheesy. Like, It's just so overly dramatic. And there was a time that I would have just been like, oh, you're amazing. And I mean, especially if I thought it came from Jordan. That's what I was going to ask you. That was my next question. Okay. You see it as love bombing and
0: like all of these things from Jordan. Had she received this letter from
1: Brian, do you see it the same way? Oh my God. It's like so much worse if it's from Brian. Okay. Explain because like they don't have a relationship like they don't have and like if like if this is his declaration of love to her that's super creepy like that's even more love bomby. okay and like we can i don't know if we want to talk about an hour later but like at the end i think that angela is like oh i didn't know you felt that way about me but it's not like she's like oh but like, because you wrote it so poetically, now I'm in love with you. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, it's a lot of feeling. Wow. I'm sorry that you have to feel that way. And, and which well, let's talk about at the end because I have more thoughts to share on it. I kind of feel differently. So let's put a pin in this
0: because I hate that expression. Let's do that. Put a pin on it. Circle back. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. So. She is reading this letter. We see her in her room and she literally puts her hand on her heart while she's reading it. And she smiles. And the next day on the bus, Brian sees her reading the letter on the bus and, and he asks her what she's reading. And she tells him it's a letter that showed the other side of Jordan. And she says, it's the most incredible letter I've ever got, ever. And she believes it shows how much work that he and Brian have done in their tutoring sessions. and. Brian asks her what her favorite part was, but she tells him, it's like weird, right? She tells him it's too personal to talk about. And as soon as she sees Jordan, she ditches Brian and goes to him. Right. Which I mean, what did he expect?
1: Poor Brian. Oh, he's so awkward. Angela tries to tell
0: Jordan how much the letter meant to her, but he's uneasy now. He tries to tell her. You think he was actually
1: going to confess the whole? Yeah, thing? I think okay. he was trying to be like, I didn't, I didn't do this. And and so what's interesting about this scene is if you notice where they end up at the end of it is the same spot where she was yelling at him in her dream at the <gasps>
0: oh, beginning. Oh, good catch! Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jordan does say to her, "I don't want to pretend."
1: Okay, right. And- like he's trying to get it out in his like, you know, sort of like stilted Jordan way of like <laughs> trying to express himself because he's not good at it
0: and he did say like i'm glad you liked it and she said i loved it
1: true to angela chase like once she's got something in her mind like she's not letting anybody tell her differently she's no. just moving ahead a hundred percent he tells her that he has all these dreams and
0: in his dreams he always knows what to say and oh right this is where like in his dreams angela always forgives him And this is when she kisses him and Brian sees, and it's like a total gut punch. So Ricky approaches Brian and together they see Jordan and Angela kissing. And Brian says, you know what? It doesn't matter since we'll all be dead someday. And (laughs) Brian admits to Ricky that he wrote the letter that Jordan gave to Angela. And Ricky tells him, you got to tell Angela, but he says he can't because it wouldn't be right. Right. Right.
1: So somebody told Sharon. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The daily news over here.
0: Okay. It's now Friday. Crazy Friday. All the things are going to happen. Right. Graham is going to go to the investors dinner. Tony's coming over for dinner. Patty's like all excited about Tony's arrival. And Angela's at Mr. K's with a bunch of kids doing play stuff. And Ricky tells Angela that he knows about the letter. And he just, like, as an aside, mentions that Brian wrote it and Angela's trying to play it off to just spare herself the
1: embarrassment. Yeah, like, she like, knew. of course he wrote it because right. Jordan would never write something like that. Right. And, you know, like, you see the evolution of her emotion, like her
0: face totally changes when he says that. And right. she's trying so hard to play it cool. But she fully realizes once he says that. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Because
1: nothing right. in that letter sounds like it would have come from Jordan. Right. It's like maybe some part of her already knew that. And he oh. just like made it yeah. super clear and hard I was to was really deny. sad. That was a really sad moment. I wanted to hug her. Such a great example of like the nuance of this show, right? And the talent yes. of all of the actors that was completely yes. lost on me as an 18-year-old.
0: Yeah. Same, same. <laughs> yeah. So... So this is when Ricky asks Delia to a movie and she's like, sure,
1: I'll go. But like, because he's like, I think we could be great together. And she's like, yeah, uh." (laughs) you're gay, right? He kind of gets awkward. And then she's like, oh, no. And he's like, well, I guess I don't usually say it that way, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Delia confesses that she
0: had a crush on him because he's such a fantastic person, which he is. And after Brian hurt her, she wanted to crush on someone who wouldn't. I'm like, Ricky's just good
1: through and through. There's just so much goodness in Ricky. And it's fun to have a crush. I think we can all agree. Right. It is fun to have a crush. Although I'm not sure how fair that is ultimately to be like, oh, I wanted to have a crush on you because I knew you were never gonna hurt me because like you weren't actually gonna like me back. Like that maybe doesn't feel so great for the other person. But she's so sweet in how she goes about. Like, because he's like, oh, I've never said it out loud before that. Like, mm-hmm. she's kind of there for his coming out moment.
0: Mm-hmm. With her little blossom hat with the giant bow
1: on it. <laughs> the fact that, like, she's very supportive of him and that, like, he has this, like, lovely person to, to kind of share that moment with. I don't know. I would have loved a spin-off on Delia. Oh, my gosh. Right. Or
0: on Ricky. Like, that would have been great. That would have been revolutionary in 1995.
1: Right. But he didn't he go on to star in Rent? Like, he had other things to do.
0: Meanwhile, back at the Chase house, Patty is waiting for Tony to arrive, but Jordan shows
1: up. Right. Which is, like, so interesting. And also, I was like, oh, remember when, like, you just had to go knock on people's doors <laughs> because you couldn't, like, text them and be like, hey, are you home? <laughs> do you care if I come over?
0: Mm-hmm. Graham and Haley are serving the investors uh, back at the house. Tony calls Patty to cancel because he's sick. Jordan tells
1: Patty what happened and she knows that he never meant to hurt Angela. Right. And side note, Patty knows that Jordan and Rayanne slept together because Rayanne told her in that earlier episode. Oh, that's good. That's valuable intel. I did not realize. Yeah.
0: And, you know, Jordan's eating a sandwich and he's got milk
1: there. Like, oh, my God. Like, how wholesome! like, you're like, oh, poor Jordan just wants a mom to, like, <laughs> That's what nourish I was him about. and nurture him. <laughs> she made him a sandwich and talked to him and made him feel better. She keeps, like, pouring him glasses of milk. Because <laughs> like, even the cool guy at school just needs a mom sometimes. Um,
0: the cool guy at school just needs some milk and a sandwich sometimes. Right. I know. On whole wheat bread. It's very wholesome. <laughs> So Jordan admits to her, like, I used to think I didn't need anyone, but I realized I was wrong. So at the investor's meal, they're super impressed, even though there was a lot of butter. (laughs) They agree to back the restaurant. Graham and Haley hug in excitement. There's a weird almost kiss moment. Right. And um, he tells her, I got to get home. Do you think
1: this would have been explored more in season two? Oh, for sure. Me too. Because they definitely have tension, right? Oh, yeah. And they sort of have started to plant the seed, right? Because Sharon's mom, who's best friends with Angela's mom, Uh doesn't like Hallie. Oh, I keep calling her Haley. Hallie. Yeah. Hallie. Yeah. Uh, She accidentally shows up, like her and Graham are supposed to meet and she like misunderstands where they're meeting. So she shows up at the house. And there's really no other reason for that scene other than to, like, introduce her to the friend who's like, "Mm, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm sure that that was something that was going to develop. To take it back to Patty and Tony Poole, Mm -hmm. Hallie
0: tells Graham you need to, to act a little jealous as a courtesy. Was Patty ever jealous of Graham's relationship with Hallie? She's
1: really not. Like, so she's not even doing that as a courtesy either. Because Hallie has a fiancé and she keeps saying that. Like, every time her friend's like, whatever, she's like, she has a fiancé. So I think, like, Patty is paying more attention to, like, the rules of the situation. Like, oh, well, that couldn't happen because, like, he's married to me and she has a fiancé. So, like, there's no danger there. Versus, like, the energy. And the energy is very flirty and very... But Patty never clock that that's the whole thing like when her friend is there and so Graham calls the house Patty answers and she's like oh Hallie's here and so she hands the phone to Hallie and Hallie's like (laughs) you know and like just like Patty was when she was talking to Tony Poole and the friend clocks it like the friend's like oh and it has, like, the sour look on her face. Sorry, I right. made the sour look, but I forgot. Y'all can't see that. Um, <laughs> so they sort of bring her in because I think I think they were trying to sort of keep Patty a little bit clueless. And I suspect so that in season two.
0: Ah,
1: could, missed opportunity. Shattering. Right. And then, of course, then that would provide a plot line for Angela being the child of, like, divorced parents. And, like, it could have gone in many directions, right?
0: Yeah, and she could have found herself cross over into some much darker territory in season two.
1: Right, or it could have like really like thrown her into Jordan's world more. And yep. Yeah, so like we'll never know because we were left hanging, but yeah.
0: Still not over it. So Angela arrives at home and she sees
1: Jordan's car. Right, and like nothing as a teenager could probably be more horrifying to be like the guy that I like Is clearly here hanging out with my parents. (laughs) With my mom. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And of course, Brian's there because Brian's the ultimate creeper. He's just there on his bike. On his bike. He's always on his bike. Angela asks him if he wrote the letter, like Ricky said, and he tries to pass it off. Like he was just like, well, no, you, you misunderstood. Like I was just proofreading it for him. And she's like, you proofread a love letter. Is this a game to you? This is a joke, right? Like, I can't believe I fell for it. It's obviously a total lie. He's like, look, I meant, or like the person who wrote it meant every every word, probably. Brian asks her to just forget the whole thing. And he's glad the letter
1: made her happy. And, and he says, maybe that's all that matters. At some point in that, doesn't he say like, no, I meant every word. I mean, the person who wrote yes. it meant every word. Yeah. So like he, like, there's this like, Totally straight moment in there where he's like, no, I meant every word. And she's like, "What? wait, what? Um, And then he tries to cover for it. So,
0: yeah. And when he said, like, well, maybe the fact that the letter made you happy was all that mattered. She's like, to who? And Brian's like, to the person who wrote it. And then they have a moment where they look at each other. Did you see this as a
1: moment where it looked like they might actually kiss? No, I saw it as... A moment of it dawning on Angela that that's how Brian felt about her for the first time, like, actually understanding that. Okay. That I think she thought mostly that he was annoying. And I think she really didn't think about him a whole lot and certainly didn't think about any feelings he might have for her. Uh And I think in that moment, she's like, oh, and again, the nuance, the nuance that I so appreciate now. The chef's kiss nuance. I didn't get the sense in that moment that she was like, oh, my God, you feel that way about me. I must be with you. Which brings me to something that I would like to share because it reminded me of this in this moment. Because then really the next scene is that Jordan comes out and kind of takes Angela. I like, I talked to your mom. She knows, like, let's get in my car. So she goes with Jordan. Brian's there, and she's still kind of like, oh. So it reminded me of a passage, Madeline Engel, who I don't know if I'm saying that perfectly, uh, who wrote *A Wrinkle in Time*. That author. Turns out, she also wrote a book called *The Small Rain*, a novel. I have not read it, but I have read this excerpt from it, and it's always really spoken to me. And I think it really applies to this moment. It's a strange thing how you can love somebody. How you can be all eaten up inside with needing them. And they simply don't need you. That's all there is to it. And neither of you can do anything about it. And they'll be the same way with someone else. And someone else will be the same way about you. And it goes on and on, this desperate need. And only once in a rare million do the same two people need each other. Oh, I felt that. I got goosebumps just now. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's good. Oh, like, I hadn't thought about that passage in a really long time. I'm like, I have to go find this. Because it's so true. Like, Brian's in love with Angela. Angela's in love with Jordan. Jordan's, like, doesn't know what he wants, right? So it's not but like he's, like... But I don't know. Like, he just told
0: the mom, I used to think
1: I didn't need anybody. Right, and maybe, Now I realize I do. Right, but, like... It's not quite the same as, like, that once in a rare million, right, where, like, somebody's like, I need you, and they're like, I need you, bam, you know, like, it's more like, maybe I need you, I don't know. Or I need somebody. Right. So, anyway, it just really made me think of that, of how, like, like, Angela is completely caught up with Jordan, right, and Brian's completely caught up with Angela, and, like, probably – If we, like, let the story go long enough, we would find out that Jordan probably is completely caught up with somebody. We just don't know who that is at this point. Because it's not really Angela. Like,
0: You know, the fact that her eyes are locked on Brian this whole time while Jordan gets in the car and they drive away and they're just staring at each other. When I first saw this finale, I thought it was her thinking that she should be with Brian. That was how I read that.
1: Yeah, I I mean, and maybe it was. Who knows? But, like, I read it as it just sort of dawning on her that, like, he feels about me the way I feel about Jordan. And, like, maybe I shouldn't be such an asshole to him because, like, I know how intense it is to have those feelings. Right. And not have them returned. (sighs)
0: So we've had a lot of years to think about this as not only a season finale because that's what it was supposed to be right but a series series finale finale. which is what it was not supposed to be and ended up being and um megan garber who's a staff writer for the atlantic had something to say about this she said the series finale the culmination of the love triangle between angela brian and jordan is magical. A little bit Cyrano de Bergerac, a little bit the notebook. It involves a letter that contains the lines I hate this pen I'm holding because I should be holding you. I hate this paper under my hand because it isn't you. The letter is slight and epic and simple and deep and all about endings and also about beginnings, which is to say that it's a lot like being a teenager. She thought it was pretty perfect. I mean, Maybe, but I think we deserved more, Kate. We deserved more. The show
1: deserved more. Like, I can only imagine the pain of everyone involved with the show when it didn't get renewed. Because, like, it's a great show, but I think it was just ahead of its time. So sometimes there are really good shows that just can't find their niche. I know. You know?
0: Emily St. James said for Vox... It's the classic show canceled too soon. One season was not enough, but what a gift to have had a tiny window into the lives of these people on the precipice of some larger, less so-called more real life. I mean, yeah, it was a gift. And I think in a way it's what makes it even more magical is the fact that we only got one season and it did leave so much hanging, but still it hurts. I'm still not over it.
1: I mean, so, like, let's, like, look at something like Felicity, right? So we got to play Felicity out all the way, right?
0: And it was rough by the end. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah. yeah, like, by the end, you're kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, versus, like, if we'd only had the first season of Felicity, we would be like, what happened?
0: You know? Right. And, and it was a classic love triangle situation between, like, your Jordan Catalano, which is your Ben Covington, and right. your Noel Crane, which is your Brian Krakow, you know, like, I mean, kind of. Sort of. <laughs> kind of, sort of. I know. <laughs> I think that's a little hard. But, you jungle. know, it's it's the good versus the bad. It's the
1: Brandon versus the Dylan. Like, it's a right. classic love triangle right. stuff. Right. It's the good guy versus the bad boy or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, for sure. And I, so perhaps it would have gone on, you know, and then we would have been like, I oh, don't remember that show. Yeah, whatever. Like, oh, it's
0: really good in the first season, but then it jumped right. the shark in season two. Yeah, I know. Well, I will say, There was an online, and at the time, this was like very revolutionary. It was like the first online fan campaign dedicated to saving the series. There was a dedicated group that were like, we have to have this show come back, but it didn't end up working. And like- Because people were like, what's online?
1: Yeah. Like, what is this? I know. What's the internet? What's this newfangled internet thing?
0: (laughs) Claire Danes won an Emmy for Best Actress in a Television Series Drama in
1: 95. I mean, she was so young. She won the Emmy. I think that Claire Danes is an amazing talent. Oh, yes. And so, I mean, we do have to thank this show for really, like, launching her into Mm -hmm. sort of the mainstream. Um,
0: But there is a question, like, who do we blame for this, right? Do we blame the low ratings? Do we blame Claire Danes? I blame the time slot. Okay, that too. And so it is true though, Claire Danes didn't want to continue with season two. The show's creator Holzman said, when I realized that Claire truly did not want to do it anymore, it was hard for me to want to do it. The joy in writing the show was that everyone was behind it and wanted to do it. And I love her. So part of the joy and the excitement and happiness would have gone out for me if she had not been on board a hundred percent. I wasn't able to say this at the time, but in retrospect, it was a blessing for it to end at a time when we all enjoyed doing it. That's not to say that if the network had ordered more shows that I wouldn't have given it my best, but there was a rightness in how short the season was. This was a show about adolescence and sort of ended in its own adolescence. There was an aura about how short the series was, like all things that die young. The show ended at a point that it still had all of its potential. Now, she went on to later say that the network was unsure about renewing the show because they were like, was it the time slot? You know, we have a small fan base, but they're diehard. They're truly dedicated. So, like, what do we do? Do we invest in it? Do we not? And I think Dane's reluctance to do season two just made it easy for the network to be like, okay, and we're done. If she doesn't want to do it, like we're already kind of on the fence. But if she doesn't want to do it. Right. If our lead isn't. And I think she just had her sights on doing film. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet came out and I think it was 96. I'm not entirely sure on that. So she was
1: probably already signed on to that uh for like her hiatus.
0: So I think that she just had her eyes set on on something a little bit bigger than TV. And at the time, TV was like the lesser acting gig, right?
1: Anymore, it's not. Right, because like she went on to like Homeland, which was also like TV, but right, like, right. And like the big stars do. They do yeah. all you know, there's
0: all this crossover now that wasn't there before. But oh, there for were sure.
1: Like and especially with like um, you know, all of the streaming services that now have their own yes. series. Like that mm-hmm. has really become a home for a lot of really A-list stars.
0: At that time, it was really like TV was the stepping stone to making films.
1: Right. And I mean people do get caught in their character, right? Especially as a young person though. Right. I mean like honestly, like Jared Leto will always be Jordan Catalano to me. Right? Like for some, for some <laughs> reason, Claire Danes is not always Angela Chase, but like Jared Leto in my mind is just Jordan Catalano. Like <laughs> when he's done so much since that uh, in film and 30 seconds to Mars,
0: what a talent. And I'm sorry, I know that Claire Danes has done a lot of brilliant dramatic work, but my favorite film of hers will forever be
1: The Family Stone.
0: Sorry, I said it. That hair, that hair in that movie. It's true. Will, will Claire
1: Danes's hair ever look as good as it did in The Family Stone? I,
0: will anyone's hair ever look as good?
1: No. Right. Very talented group of people. Yes. In this Ricky, Angela, Jordan. All went on to have very successful careers.
0: Rayanne like is a countess now. Really? Yeah. Random House in 1999 published a sequel novel to Mm -hmm. My So-Called Life. It's called My So-Called Life Goes On. So if you want to know what happens next, I guess you could read that. It was based on the television show. I can't vouch for how good it is. It's written by Catherine Clark.
1: Huh. I was just gonna say, like, maybe we need a Broadway musical of my so-called life. Oh my god! <laughs> so we can know what happens next, and Ricky can star in it. Except oh, I as, love like, it. A grown-up teacher
0: now, or something. I love it. Let's do that. <laughs> it was a magic moment, and then it was right. over. And so, my so-called life was named the second best school show of all time by AOL TV. And TV Guide ranked the series number two on its 2013 list of 60 shows
1: that were canceled too soon. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a great show. And I miss it. Not enough to go back and watch all 19 episodes, apparently.
0: But <laughs> See, if I had the time, I most definitely would. Because yeah. I remember even thinking at the time when I was re this a few years ago, What a shame that this was the end of the series because it most certainly was not the best episode
1: of that series slash season. One of my favorite episodes is Angela's talking about how, like, kind of like being a princess who was asleep. And then at the end, she's like, and then she woke up. Mm -hmm. She woke up. And, like, that episode has always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that there is a point in your life as a teenager where you do wake up. Like, you're like, oh, life is really different than I thought it was. Yep. And now I'm seeing how it really is. Like for the first time, like it, it's an actual awakening. For sure. And so, I mean, and again, like it just speaks to the talent of the team that, that made this show that they were really able to capture all of that. Sadly, not in a way that resonated maybe the people going through it in that moment but mm-hmm. it's it's nice to go back to and to like
0: i look wonder at. if the show was really designed to appeal to the younger demographic or the parents or it was intended to be a sit down show between families to be able to talk about larger issues
1: i think that might have been one of the challenges that it faced is that it seemed like a show for kids right because yes. it focused so much on these teenage characters. But then the parents had their own plot lines that were really well-developed, which unfortunately, as a kid watching a show that you feel like is supposed to be for you, you're like, why do I care about <laughs> Graham and Hallie? And she chews with her mouth open. <laughs> so I think, and if you're a parent, maybe some of the kids' stories are a little too... Like teenage drums. Yeah, Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that may have been part of where... It struggled and part of where like the people who like it are the people who liked it as kids, but now are older and can can kind of appreciate the fullness of it. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it had a hard time finding its audience at the time. And especially in that Thursday, 8 p.m. time slot. Yeah, it would have been much better served by like a Tuesday time slot Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something. I agree. You know,
0: so, well, Kate, thank you so much for joining me on this, yes. my so-called Patreon episode. This was so fun to revisit this with you. And thank you for going back
1: and watching Betrayal because I didn't. I had to know. I had to know what had happened. I needed a lot of that information. <laughs> and credit to the show that like, originally I was just going to kind of like fast forward through it, but like, it's just so good. I watched the whole episode, so I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you. To my dear and lovely patrons, thank you so
0: much for joining us. Of course, you know you can find us on the web at theuntitledgenxpodcast.com. And if you're enjoying the Patreon, please, please, please tell your friends. As always, we hope you keep in touch, beautiful people.
1: Bye. Bye.